On this edition of the Politics, Politics, Politics program, we go over four Senate seats that will determine the balance of that chamber. Four decisions that need to be made by four different politicians on if they're even going to run. Mitt Romney, Kirsten Cinema, Bernie Sanders, and Joe Manchin. It's all coming up. This is made possible by Bow Them Bones, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, and Craig. Welcome, everybody, to the Politics, Politics, Politics program for Wednesday, September 6, 2023. Your old pal, Justin Robert Young, joining you here on the program from Austin, Texas. We're going to talk about the Senate today because the Senate returns for their fall schedule. <laughs> uh and and we're going to take our cues from one of the best newsletters in the business, and that is Punchbowl. Punchbowl is great. I would highly recommend that you be like me and subscribe. But they highlighted four senators, four senators that have yet to determine whether or not they are going to run for their seats. And the decisions that these four are going to make will be pivotal. You've got two independents, a Democrat, and a Republican. And the decisions that they're going to make will likely determine the balance of power in that chamber. So let's go ahead and start with Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin, we've talked about quite a bit. Not only was he really the star of our fallow period in the political calendar when all this gross governing is going on and we don't have actual campaigns and races to pay attention to, but he's also kind of the last of a dying breed, a Democrat who can consistently win in hostile environs. And this hostile environment is West Virginia. He was in a tough race six years or five years ago when he last won reelection. And this time It's even stickier. We're going to quote here from Punchbowl. The 76-year-old Manchin may be the most endangered Senate Democrat this cycle. Manchin could end up facing sitting West Virginia Governor Jim Justice in a presidential year with Trump at the top of the GOP ticket. A recent online poll has Manchin down 13 points to Justice in a head-to-head matchup. We're going to get to Justice's primary in a second. But let's also deal with the elephant in the room. You know, the one with no labels. Joe Manchin has flirted with leaving the Repu- or the Democratic Party. He has flirted with joining the Republicans or at least being an independent that caucuses with the Republicans. It is an open joke that his friends on the opposite side of the aisle would love for him to do it. But the other... Part of Joe Manchin's file is that he loves being in the center of things, that he loves being the one that everybody has to go to to get 
his stamp of approval. Let's remember that the reason an environmental bill got called the Inflation Reduction Act is because Joe Manchin stood in the way, along with another politician we're going to talk about in a couple seconds. But Joe Manchin also is famous for saying he's never lost a race and he doesn't plan on losing a race anytime soon. So if he's going into a potential blood feud contest with the governor of West of West Virginia, Jim Justice, who campaigns with the dog called Lady Dog, get ready for it to be an obsession. Would he do it? Again, to Punchbowl, a mansion spokesperson said that there is no update on the timing for the announcing of his intentions. Manchin is, has stated repeatedly that he'll make a decision by the end of this year. He has nearly $13 million in the bank between his re-election campaign and his leadership hack. If Joe Manchin doesn't run, there's zero chance that the Democrats keep this seat. Just n- knock it down right there. So you are looking at the Democrats losing potentially three seats because I believe they're going to lose their seat in Montana. They're going to lose the seat in West Virginia if Joe Manchin doesn't run. And it's going to be a, a rough battle in Ohio. If everything else stays chalk, then the Republicans will take back that chamber. Why do we say that about West Virginia? Well, here's the reality in 2020, Donald Trump won that state by damn near 40 points, plus 39. And he is going to face Jim Justice. Let's take a look at the most recent poll conducted in August between the 16th and the 26th with 402 registered voters in all 55 counties of West Virginia. Sorry, 58% of Republican voters Support justice for their primary. 26% of Republicans support Alex Mooney of West Virginia. 16% are unsure. Mooney is of the Freedom Caucus. This might turn out to be a more competitive primary. It doesn't look like it from my perspective. And that same poll has Manchin against justice with Justice up 51% to 38%. So, Manchin doesn't like to lose. He likes to be the center of attention. Is fighting a good fight, possibly pulling off a massive upset, or going down in either a lopsided battle or a close battle to somebody that we've covered in the past on this show is a personal rival. Jim Justice and Joe Manchin don't like each other. Jim Justice fired Joe Manchin's wife in a public setting. No love lost. Or does Joe Manchin decide to run for president on the no labels ticket? Larry Hogan, somebody who also was thought to have presidential ambitions that he pulled back on, was on Meet the Press this week making rumblings about how he has not closed the door on a no-labels run. Is that a super ticket? Mansion and Hogan? Who on earth would be the vice president in that scenario? 
which is another funny thing about this no labels thing, because I can't imagine who of any kind of nationally known stature would want the vice presidential slot there. Who wants to be the Bill Weld on that ticket? Manchin's got a pretty big ego. So does Larry Hogan. Either of them want to play second fiddle. There will not only be two fiddles in Arizona, most likely the desert will be home to a three-way dance for the Senate. And that's because of Kirsten Cinema. We go back to Punchbowl's write-up. Cinema left the Democratic Party in December 2022, but she hasn't formally announced her re-election. There's some speculation that Cinema won't declare her plans until early 2024, but she's sure raising money like she's running, including some big Arizona Republican donors that are putting money in her pocket. She has $10.7 million in her campaign war chest as of June. However, this is going to be a battle. On the Democratic side, Ruben Gallego has already raked in millions of dollars in campaign contributions from progressives and Democrats who have long since soured on cinema. And on the right, a cavalcade of names are going to battle each other to see who represents the party, the state party that once brought Barry Goldwater and John McCain to national prominence, including the duly elected governor of Arizona, in her own mind, Carrie Lake, Penal County Sheriff Mark Lamb, and Blake Masters, who lost to Mark Kelly in 2022. Cinema spokesperson told Punchbowl that the senator remains focused on the issues, including security at the U.S.-Mexico border, the opioid crisis, and veterans. There is no timetable for a decision. So, uh, this by far is the most complicated of the races in 24 for the Senate, in my opinion, and has the most possibility to be a national fixation because you get a lot of big personalities. You're going to have a lot of money. And if you're Kirsten cinema, you are on the precipice of doing something truly extraordinary. If you win incumbency and you essentially humble the democratic party there, then I don't think anyone's ever going to challenge you from the democratic side ever again. This is a win and you're in scenario. And depending on where Kirsten Cinema wants to go in her career, if she's happy with being in the Senate, if she wants to be a Bernie Sanders-esque independent who always has to be consulted and caucuses with the Democrats, then really this is, in my opinion, the only time that she'll have to face any kind of serious contention from her left flank. And then there's the constant question of exactly where Arizona is politically. In 2020, Biden won it by 0.3. Very, very, very tight race. You know, in, in the same way that in 2016, it was 
extraordinarily close, but Trump edged out in a couple states that tend to wind up voting similarly. Let's remember that Biden very barely won that election in 2020. It cannot be repeated enough that it took a lot for Joe Biden to barely eke over the line against Donald Trump. And Arizona is a huge part of it. But despite the fact that Joe Biden was the first person in many, many years from the Democratic Party to win that state in a presidential election, Arizona has trended blue. It has a blue governor. It has two blue senators, or at least one blue senator and one the caucuses with the Democrats. So, where is Arizona? Where is the state of this race? Well, two newly released polls show Democratic Representative Ruben Gallego leading the field in a three-way Senate contest in Arizona, a critical race that could determine which party controls the chamber in the 2024 election. While Kirsten Cinema has possibly been discussed as a spoiler for the Democratic Party, these, this polling here shows that Cinema pulls more votes from the Republicans than she does from Democrats. The Emerson College poll released last week found Gallego leading both Cinema and the two Republican candidates who have announced bids in the race. And that, my friends, is the rub because. This particular set of polls showed two of the names that are not quite as big as the other two that are almost assuredly going to be into this race. Here's the first one. Gallego led the poll 36%. Sheriff Mark Lamb was second at 29. Cinema was third with 21. And in the second scenario, Gallego got 37%. Cinema got 26%. And Republican Brian Wright got 25. If this holds, and indeed, Kirsten Cinema is just more popular with Republicans than she is with Arizona Democrats, then I wonder whether or not she runs. If this is an outlier, because Blake Masters isn't on the survey and Carrie Lake is in on the survey, then I think we're going to see something that is extraordinarily complicated and extraordinarily close. But unlike Manchin, we haven't heard the same rumblings about cinema running for president. We don't quite know whether or not she has those ambitions. And when you read the biographies of cinema, it does seem like she actually really, really, really likes being a senator. She is somebody that found her own political footing from the world of activism, by the way, because she did enjoy the coalition building. She did enjoy crafting legislation. I believe that Kirsten Cinema is going to run. I believe she is going to put everything she can into this race. And I believe that this is the one best chance that the Democrats have of knocking her out. Our final two senators, Bernie Sanders 
And did somebody forget their mittens? Mitt Romney will be discussed right after this. This is your update brought to you by TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Again, at TakePoliticsSeriously.com, you guys get the opportunity to double, 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 double your episode output on this program. On the free feed, it's two episodes a week. On the Patreon, you get two bonus episodes. That's one on Sunday, one on Thursday. Live and direct to the podcatcher of your choice. You never have to log in. You just get uh, an RSS feed, put it wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Bada bing, bang, boom. You're done. Set it and forget it. Thank you to everybody who have gotten back on the train. This is the time where you want to do it. And, you know, what can you say? Uh, uh, I... I know it's time. You know it's time. So why don't you make time to head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Three bucks a week. Cheaper than a cup of coffee. But here are your updates. The Capitol's top doctor has told Mitch McConnell that there is, quote, no evidence he suffered a stroke or had a seizure following his public freeze in Kentucky last week. The physician, Brian Moynihan, outlined extensive medical evaluations of McConnell after the episode in which the Senate minority leader stopped talking for roughly 30 seconds in a media availability. In a letter to McConnell, Monahan recommended, quote, no changes in treatment protocols, end quote, for his recovery from a March fall that left the Kentucky Republican with a concussion. A lot of discourse about Mitch McConnell over the last week. This is the second time that he's frozen like that. It's the second time in public during a press availability that he's frozen like that. God knows how many times it's happened behind the scene. All the senators are back now. Nikki Haley was on Face the Nation this week talking about how the geritocracy of our government is a problem that we should have term limits, that there should be a competency test, a mental competency test for politicians over the age of 75. But the the stuff around McConnell is slightly different, in my opinion, than the stuff around Dianne Feinstein. And here's the reason why. You've seen more of an organized effort by uh, Democrats to push Feinstein out of that position in a way that you have not really seen with McConnell. McConnell is still cocaine Mitch. He still is somebody that is extraordinarily feared in the Senate. Please refer yourself to the pile of ash roughly in the shape of Senator Rick Scott, who came for the crown, and boy, did he miss. Mitch McConnell is not to be trifled with. So you got to be very careful to see who is out there saying exactly what about his health. So far, 
on both sides of the aisle, with some notable exceptions, like Marjorie Taylor Greene, who hates Mitch McConnell anyway because Trump hates him. You've not seen a lot of two hands on the old turtle's shell trying to push him out the door. Will that change if this happens a third time? Does the dynamic around it change? I would suspect that the noise would get louder, but we don't know. First Lady Jill Biden has tested positive for the COVID-19. This was on Monday evening. She is, quote, currently experiencing only mild symptoms, according to the White House. The First Lady, who is 72 years young, will remain at her home in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Her communications director, Elizabeth Alexander, said in a statement, she has been vaccinated and received boosters. This is the First Lady's second COVID diagnosis. She first tested positive in August 2022, shortly after President Joe Biden tested positive for the virus. The president, meanwhile, has tested negative. At least he did on Monday night. And he took a solo trip back to D.C. from Delaware. The couple had been staying in their vacation home over the weekend after visiting Florida to survey the damage left by Hurricane Idalia. Idalia. I have a hard time saying Joe Biden said that he will socially distance and wear a mask, which has sent certain sectors of the internet into a tizzy. The Alex Jones was right crowd as Alex Jones predicted the return of lockdowns and mask mandates. They're eating today. Um, we'll see how far that goes. A lot of people have COVID. I don't know what to say. You know, I... I Saw a lot of our friends uh, were out at my favorite con of all time, Dragon Con in Atlanta, which takes place on Labor Day. We did not go this year, but it made me think because I'm like, all right, I know how hot it is during Dragon Con weekend. I know that all you want to do, especially if you are in cosplay, is to get into a small, cold room as fast as possible, be it your hotel room or anything else. And hundreds, thousands of nerds breathing on each other is a super spreader event waiting to happen. So I have no doubt that a lot of people are going to leave Dragon Con or leave all the different cons, all the different gatherings that happened over Labor Day weekend with a bunch of COVID. The question is how we react to it and whether or not there are any kind of mitigation efforts that people want to put in because of it. Because if it doesn't happen then, well, I got to think we might be done. Finally, the impeachment trial of Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton commenced uh, amidst a maelstrom of partisan tension and allegations of corruption that have plagued the Attorney General's nearly three-term tenure. This marks the first such impeachment proceeding in Texas in nearly 50 years. The trial has thrust the Republican Party into a critical juncture of introspection as they decide whether or not to hold Paxton, who's been mired in legal issues, including felony indictment on securities fraud charges and an ongoing FBI investigation regarding his association with real estate developer Nate Paul, accountable. The unfolding saga anticipated to 
to reveal new facets in the convoluted relationship between Paxson and Paul underscores a pivotal moment in Texas politics where legal scrutiny meets political accountability. I watched a bit of this today. It is being live streamed and I would very much recommend people watch it (laughs) because it's pretty awesome. If you are a fan of bombastic Texas lawyers, good Lord, good Lord. It is everything you could possibly hope for. One of them has a funny mustache. The other one has a orange tan that Donald Trump himself would say, geez, dude, tune it down. There's a lot of just out and out disregard for the other side. I mostly watched uh, the, the Paxton opening statement. And there was a controversy because when asked how he pleaded, the lawyers for Paxton went into making points about what Paxton really thinks. And they had to be stopped by the defense because Paxton is not going to get on the stand. He is not going to testify in this trial. So the, the defense was saying, no, you can't just get your testimony out via your lawyer during this. But the opening statement for the the Paxton side was unique. There is just a lot of talk about the foolishness of the other side. Uh, it seems like their strategy is is to say that the public narrative on this is not the truth. Uh, that the everything has a very reasonable explanation that there was no quid pro quo between Nate Paul and Ken Paxton. And a lot of this is totally overblown by way of an activist press. So, you know, the normal way that a politician tries to get out of something, but this time with a lot more Texas metaphors, everything is bigger in Texas, including the amount of metaphors used. And that is your update. TakePoliticsSeriously.com is where you need to go if you would like two bonus episodes where I cover stuff like this, except in real time. All right, let's get back to the show. So here's a name that we have not mentioned and I think is is fascinating. Is Bernie Sanders going to run for his Senate seat again? No one's really talked about this. This isn't something that is part of our national discourse, nor does Bernie Sanders ever really get asked about it all that much. And it's because he usually he does a lot of press, but he's usually very, very dialed in on it. Here's what Punchbowl says. Sanders, who represents the polar opposite wing of the Democratic majority from Manchin and Cinema, hasn't said what he plans to do next year. But the soon-to-be 82-year-old Sanders, his birthday is on Friday of this week, happy birthday, Bernie, has been fending off re-election questions for months and continues to do so. Here's what his spokesperson, Mike Casca, says. The people of Vermont do not want never-ending campaigns. Senator Sanders will make an announcement when it's appropriate. Now, Bernie Sanders is not going to face much of a challenge. And Joe Biden won Vermont by 36%. So the number that we want to focus on is that age number. He's 81 as we record, 82 at the end of the week. Bernie Sanders suffered a heart attack in 2019. 
when he was on the campaign trail. If he were to run and win, which he almost assuredly would, in 2024, he would be 87 years old by the time that that term ended. So we're looking at a situation where if it's not his last campaign, then he might be done. I don't know what Bernie Sanders would do without this Senate seat. He certainly has enough clout and he is a progressive icon to the point where he could you know, live out the rest of his days speaking and writing books and doing whatever he wanted. And it is notable that whenever there is a need for defend the aged on television, it is Bernie Sanders who gets the call and it is Bernie Sanders who says with relish that there is a restrictor plate on age in our government. And that is whether or not the people for whom are voting believe that there should be somebody younger in there. Vermont isn't ever going to vote for anybody other than Bernie Sanders. But with his presidential ambitions behind him, because he's not running this cycle, he would be four or six years in, five years older. So from this point, he would be 86 years old by the time that he, if, if let's say Donald Trump wins, can an 86 year old win the White House as a socialist? Probably not. So realistically, Bernie Sanders isn't running for president anymore. Is it time to pass the torch? And does the heart attack scare him off? Let's also remember that we know about that heart attack because Bernie Sanders was on the road. There's a lot of stuff that happens with members of Congress that I would imagine if you were able to not go to the hospital for it, nobody finds out. I have no idea what is in the brain of Bernie Sanders. My gut reaction is that politicians don't get to the top of the hill so they can talk about walking down the hill. They would like to stay in power forever. And I don't think that Bernie Sanders is any exception. I don't believe that Bernie Sanders has any part of him that desperately wants to set a different example for for politicians, but then again, you know, he is somebody with an extended family and maybe he wants to spend more time with them. You know, at the age of 82, maybe he wants to save some time that is outside of the Beltway. By the way, if he did get to 87 after serving one more tour term, he'd still have three years before he hit the Diane Feinstein age, which does factor into this a bit, right? You know, we talk a lot about politicians who are now looking at some of the more aged members of that chamber and saying, well, that'll never be me. I'll never, I'll step down before I get like that. Well, remember where Diane Feinstein was five years ago when she was deciding to run for one more term. 
She was lucid. Remember that video of uh, the, the sunrise movement coming to her office? She was not infirm then. She was, you know, talking to all the climate activists and stuff like that. Well, one term later, now she needs to be fed whether or not she's saying I or nay. You got to wonder if Bernie's looking at that and saying, hmm, I don't know. One final, one final question. Mittens Romney. Romney is 76. He has not declared whether or not he will seek a second Senate term from the state of Utah. But obviously, he's in a bit of a different world. He's very famous. He has a national name ID. And because he has a tremendous esteem through, uh, throughout the Mormon community, he's playing on home turf with Utah. Let's also remember that the Romneys are an, incre- an incredibly famous political family. You know, the name Romney has been synonymous with politics in varying different states, including Michigan and Massachusetts, for decades on decades. Brad Wilson, the Republican Speaker of the Utah House of Representatives, has signaled that he may run, but is waiting to see if Romney is going to give it another go. Riverton Mayor Trent Staggs, another Republican, is already running. And former GOP Representative Jason Chaffetz has said that he's going to make a decision this fall, but it all revolves around the mitt. Liz Johnson, Romney's chief of staff, had this to say. I think everyone realizes that it's his race to lose if he gets in. He's well-positioned to have the resources, political organization, and voter support to win. He is not phased by the prospect of a primary. And there's a reason. Despite the fact that Donald Trump won Utah by 31%, The polling is still good for Romney. Like we mentioned, there's only one person who's currently in. This is the messaging that Trent Staggs is running on. This was Staggs' announcement. Right now, Washington is broken. And every time we compromise, it costs us trillions. We have more IRS agents than border agents. And while we're paying $4 a gallon for gas, they're sending our money unchecked to Ukraine. Now we're almost $32 trillion in debt. Enough is enough. A few years ago, Mitt Romney moved to Utah and told us what he'd fight for. Here's what I'll fight for. To finally end illegal immigration, to put us on a path to a balanced budget, to push back against federal overreach, and to confirm judges who follow the Constitution. But the only thing I've seen him fight for are the establishment, wokeness, open borders, impeaching President Trump, and putting us even deeper into debt. I'm Trent Staggs, mayor of Riverton. I didn't come from millions. As one of 10 children, I watched my parents pinch pennies on my dad's teacher's salary, and I've taken that same approach to government. As mayor, I've reduced spending and innovated to lower the cost of government. Then, in 2020, when we were told to shut down businesses, schools, and churches, I said no. I've got a track record of fighting big government, and I believe we need that same approach in Washington. I'm not a career politician or a Massachusetts millionaire. I'm a mayor, a businessman, husband, and father who wants his children to grow up with the same opportunities that I did. And I'm running for United States Senate to make sure that they do. 
And yet, in a hypothetical 2024 Republican Senate primary matchup, 30% of Utah Republicans, they say they'd vote for Romney. Another possible opponent, Surgeon, or sorry, Attorney General Sean Reyes, has 13% support, and everybody else is somewhere below there. Brad Wilson is at five, Staggs is at three. And everybody else, I think, is saying, well, you know, if Mitt doesn't do it, then go ahead and give me a look. Feels like 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 middle, middle, middle push through. I think he's gonna do it. Which would also push him into his 80s by the time that that term ended. And that'll wrap it up for us today. Politics, 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 written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young, for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. If you would like to email the program, it is theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Guys, I've decided I'm going to I'm gonna OD on politics. Uh, I'm going to start mainlining politics. I'm going to inject it into my veins at all times. So I am like unsubscribing from any podcasts except for like two that are not politics related. I'm loading up on political podcasts. I am going to be, be ripping through political books. I got Newt Gingrich's new book about the March to the majority about the Republican revolution in the nineties. And I am, I'm, uh, Oh, we have the new Biden book that's out the last politician. I got that on the docket. I'm going to try to get through as many of these as possible because I want to be Dr. Manhattan, uh, just a, a, a surging, pulsing political brain of formidable force to be reckoned with by the time that we get around to election season next year. So I need your recommendations. The young American at gmail.com. I want good books. I want good political books, juicy political books campaigns specifically. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for campaign political books specifically. So go ahead and hit me up. The young American at gmail.com. I will highlight any of the good ones that I get in there. And we're going to use this spot for a little bit of my own um, book reports. If you would like to say, Hey, to the show on X, it is PX3 Tweets for the program. Justin R. Young for me. I'm live on Twitch, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Letter P, letter X, number three, live.com. And you can share this podcast with your friends and family at px3podcast.com. You can support me on PayPal, paypal.me slash payjury with a one-time donation. You want to try it? Give me a dollar. See if it works. Venmo is justin-young-20. Venmo money's not real. That's just science. Test it for yourself. Cash app is PX3 cash. You know, I've never had anybody send me money on cash app. That's not true, but nobody in a while. See if it still works. PX3 cash. And you can send me anything you'd like in the mail. PO box 153184 Austin, Texas 78715. Of course, you can only get our bonus content at takepoliticsseriously.com. $3 tier, get you two bonus podcasts per week, covering all the news that we miss on our free podcasting schedule and our Titanic 
$10 tier. Get your name right at the end of the show like these fine folks in the Titanic $10 tier. By the way, if you are in this tier, do me a favor. Go into your email. I've got a link for you to get your new nicknames because if you don't, then I just read your first name. Here we go. Amanda, ye old pinball shop. John, DP4Bongo, Sam, John, Edwin, Kathy Mack, and Vote Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Ryan, Edison, Jeremy, Severio, Sarah, Matt, Dr. G, Neil, his nerdiness Charles, Darren, David, Berkeley, Stephen, Nomadic Terran, Molly's delightful demeanor, Adam, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul, Dustin, Brad, Bassam, D Laser, Nick Wood, just another pilot, middle aged Mike, Utah, Jimmy Montana, The Gen, D, really? Chopper and Andrew. If you would like to join their ranks, only one place to do it. Take politics seriously.com. On Friday's edition of the program, the next in our free feed, it's a momentous occasion because by far our most beloved guest, it's not close. My mom, Gloria Young, will rejoin this program because I had I had a moment actually doing the uh the the Sunday 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 edition does Nikki Haley pass the Gloria Young test mm. I texted back and forth with her to book her on the show and gotta say the reaction might surprise you we hear right from my mother's mouth on Friday's edition of the program. Till then, this is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more discuss politics, but this is the only show that dares discuss all three. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. (laughs) Dog and Pony Show Audio.